Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Mastery Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Smith, and I am CEO and co-founder of our company, Mastery Performance Consulting. As you'll see later, I will be joined by Ashley, our other co-founder and lead consultant at Mastery, and Maddie, one of our brand new consultants. Our company was founded to help athletes and performing artists beat their self-doubt through regular mental training sessions so they feel more confident and achieve higher performance. Sport isn't easy and it really should be. It should be a place where you can go and feel comfortable being yourself, express yourself, and ultimately have a good experience no matter what your goals are, if you want to go pro or not. We decided that the community needs resources and we are here to be that resource for you guys. In today's episode, we're going to explore Ashley's story on how she first got into sports psychology, what her sport experience was like, and the tips and tools she wished she had to be more successful in sport. I hope you enjoy, and if you learn anything new, feel free to let us know in the comment section below or review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you all for watching or listening, and let's get into the episode. I will hand it over to Ashley to talk about why she started the company and give herself an introduction. Thank you. So I'm Ashley, and I am the co-founder and lead consultant. I'm the one that will be working with the athletes as well as Maddie. We started Mastery because a couple of reasons. One, uh, sports psychology is my passion. I got into the field for reasons we'll talk about in this podcast. Uh, my story, I think, will clearly show why this is my passion and why I want to help athletes who went through what I went through. And in addition, I started Mastery so that we could hit uh, niche markets. Uh, not everybody has access to a sports psychology consultant for various reasons, and we wanted to be a customized and affordable option for any performer who wants to work on their mental game. And then the third reason I started it is so that I could bring on consultants like Maddie to work with us so that we can create a community of people of the same goals, same vision, and just create this company of exactly what we all want it to be and make it very customized, not just to athletes and clients, but to our consultants too. Hey, and I'm Maddie. Um, I graduated from the same school as Ashley did. And I took a year off from sports psychology just because I didn't know where I wanted to go with it. And one of my friends uh, that I graduated with reached out to me and she was like, hey, like you should get back into it. And so she gave me Ashley's number and we started talking and everything and mastery just became an incredible resource for me because they want to help me, which is a little bit harder. I thought to find, um, in the, in the sports psychology world. And so Ashley reached out her hand and said, let's get this done. Let's get you certified. Let's do what you need to do so that you can like live your goals and like live your dreams and everything. I said, yeah, I'm completely on board because sports psychology is, as Ashley said as well, it's my passion. And I think there's so, so many athletes out there that don't have access to resources. And if I could help one athlete in any sort of way by being a resource for them, then I've lived a dream. I lived a goal. So it's a little bit on me and I'll get more into like my, um, my steps and my path. That's a little bit more winding into the, the world of sports psychology, but yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later. For sure. Awesome. Well, thank you for that, Maddie and Ashley, you said something about certification. 
was wondering if you guys wanted to talk about what certifications you have, Ashley, and which one you're pursuing, Maddie, and like what made you want to go to towards that? Yeah, so I am um, a CMPC, which stands for Certified Mental Performance Consultant, and that is the certification that Maddie is also reaching towards. She's so close. And she's got lots of hours and lots of experience. She's just a few hours short, so she'll get that very soon. But it's the only certification that sports psychology consultants can get in the U.S. I'm I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure there's certifications in Canada and maybe another country. Um, but this is the United States one. And what's great about this certification is it gives consultants access to work with clients all across the country. So it's different than counseling where it's state by state licensure. Once you're certified, you can work with anybody across the country, which is a great, that's what appealed it to me. And how you get it is you get 400 hours and those 400 hours are broken up between mentorship hours, working directly with clients, and then also observing other consultants. We can if you're interested in learning more about that, we can dive into that in a different video. Um, we also have one on TikTok that I've dove into how to get certified. So go check that out. Um, Maddie, is there anything you want to add to that? Um, I just want to give like a little bit of background on the hours, I guess, because I bet we will go into even deeper. But um, the hours, like she said, it's 400 hours, but it's just giving you like credibility that that consultant has learned, that consultant has done hands-on work. So that's 400 hours of you like researching and talking with athletes face-to-face, talking with mentors face-to-face, getting a whole bunch of different perspectives from different teachers and professors, um, just to give you the most out of your, um, your degree and your certification. Yeah, that's a great point that you added. Um, that certification, like she said, like gives you just that credibility because And I think most licensures do that where basically if you have this licensure, it just says like, I've I've put in the hours and I've worked with clients and I'm experienced. Mm -hmm. A lot of all the programs in sports psychology are different. So just having a master's degree isn't enough to say that you've had the experience because in some programs you walk away with the 400 hours that you need. And for some you walk away with not that much. So I think the CMPC is just showing future clients and future employers like, hey, I I know what I'm doing. I've dove into the research. I've learned like I'm prepared to take on this work. So that's a great point, Maddie. Yeah. And on that vein, like talking about schooling and talking about like all the things that kind of go into this and um, degrees meaning probably a little bit less nowadays as they did and then depending on the program and depending there's a lot of things in between right so like what path did you take ash how did you get started what made you get started and then like why did you choose the program you chose and like what do you think it's helped you do and prepare for kind of start with like what happened and why you're here now Mm-hmm. I got very lucky. Uh, my mentor, so I took an intro to sports psych class and fell in love with it. And we're going to dive into that when we talk about my story later. But my professor was amazing because when I went to her and I told her that this is what I wanted to do, she asked all the right questions to help me pick the right program. She basically was like, what do you want to do with this? Like, if you had your ideal career, what would that look like? And I said, I just want to work with athletes 
what population I said at that time, I have no idea. Probably like professional sports, which is, you know, what everybody says. But she's like, okay, if you want to work with athletes, you need an applied focused program. What that means is like a a program that's going to get, that's going to make sure you're working with athletes while you're learning the material. And so she's like, here are your options. And she's like, to be honest, the best option that I know, and I have a good relationship with the head professor is Minnesota State and Mankato. She's like, you work with athletes right away. They have the Center of Sport and Performance Psychology has consultants working with athletes like day one. Um, So she's like, if that's what you want to do, go here. And I walked out of the program with my hours, which not a lot of people say that they can do. And there was just so, I will rave about this program because it, it really did prepare me for the working world of sports psychology. Like, I wouldn't have started this company if it wasn't for this program because I this program gave me the confidence to work with athletes. Um, I got mentored on like how to run a business, you know, just how to connect with clients, what those contracts look like, how you should be getting paid, what does that look like? Like I learned everything I possibly could in this program. So I walked out feeling like the most prepared I could, I think, um, compared to other colleagues I've met from other schools, like not putting down other programs, but in terms of the applied work I had, I felt very, very, very confident. So that that's my journey. My journey is pretty much similar to Ashley's, but a little bit different. Um, so based off of like happenings that I had in my own sport career, I decided I was like, there's got to be something out there. And I as well took an intro to sports psychology. And that professor literally made me fall in love one because he was also doing like a master's and then onto his PhD while he was teaching us. So I thought that was pretty cool. And he was just so passionate about it. And I loved the concepts and the help that he was giving like his students while we were there. And so I was like, Oh, this is, this is really, really cool. I'm going to go into that. Um, and my dad told me, he was like, you need to go and get your master's. And I was like, you're right. I do. And so I got on good old Google and I typed in top sports psychology programs in the U S and just kind of went down the list from there. I got onto um, Minnesota state Mankato's website and saw that there is like a whole center for students to learn it. And I was like, wow, that was very unique compared to a lot of the other programs. And then I did see, it was like, I had an Excel spreadsheet and everything and applied work was like number one on my list of what I needed. And on my Excel sheet, it was like, it was Mankato and maybe two other schools I was looking at, like across the country that had applied work. And Mankato, I've always loved Minnesota. So I was like, okay, that's the one. And spoke with the professors, fell even more in love with it. And yeah, packed up everything I had and I moved up to Mankato for two years. (laughs) and did my degree and everything there. So that's kind of my path towards sports psychology. Yeah. And I think one of the main, I mean, I I haven't gone through the program. It's something that I want to do, whether that's at Mankato or wherever Mm -hmm. I have a passion with uh, helping athletes. But the one thing that I will say about Mankato, uh, really positive is that you're doing the work. You know, you have your schoolwork, you have your normal classes and and your structure and stuff. But at the end of the day, you're seeing clients already and they're teaching you while you're seeing them, like what things you could do, how to improve and like kind of hone in on your style that I think uh, most pro- programs might miss out on compared to, to them. So uh, watching Ashley go through it was 
a really interesting thing for me to see because the best way, in my opinion, to learn is by doing. So the more you do, the more happy you are and the more reps you get. So um, yeah, I love that. And so given all this context and the schooling and like, it sounds like a brutal, it doesn't sound like something that you could just kind of roll out of bed and you're like, okay, I'm going to be a sports psych today. It seems like there's a lot of challenges along the way. There's a lot of other things that you guys kind of face. So what made you want to get into the field? And yeah, I got into the field because I was an athlete who struggled with their mental game. And I learned about this field and was like, wait a minute, like, somebody could have helped me with this. Like, this was a service. I had no idea until I took that first intro to sports psych class. So let's start from like the beginning on like why I struggled with my mental game. So just a little bit of background before we get into like the main part where I wish I had a consultant at like this period of time. Um, growing up, I was the tall kid that was just naturally good at sports because I was taller than pretty much everybody. Um, so basketball and volleyball were my two main sports and I was naturally good at it again, because of my height. Um, It wasn't just that, like, I felt like I had good court awareness. I was a quick learner. I was very coachable. And so I think I, I improved pretty quickly in both those sports and realized like, hey, I can actually continue on and play this. So it wasn't just the height. But um, it really started to get like competitive, competitive for me in high school. Seventh and eighth grade was great. Like we went to state and it was like competitive in that way. But I was at a smaller school. So I feel like high school was just like a different beast than like this smaller school. So when I got to high school, um, I moved up to varsity my sophomore year for both basketball and volleyball, which is really cool, right? Like I did that in one year. So like it was a really great year for me and it was excellent. I didn't expect to play a lot on varsity. It was like, okay, I'm here to learn and just observe and get ready to be a varsity player one day. Well, come my junior year, I really thought I had a shot to be on varsity for both basketball and volleyball. Even though my experiences were similar for both basketball and volleyball, I'm going to focus on like my basketball experience right Mm -hmm. now. So junior year comes around and I think, okay, like I actually have a chance to like start varsity. I think given who's on the team, like I think I'm one of the top, top five players that should start. And I kind of got that sense from my coaches that, like, that is a possibility. And so my coaches kind of gave me this sense that, like, hey, this is a possibility that you could be a starter. Again, they weren't going to, like, tell anybody until they made their final decision. But I had a lot of confidence that it was going to happen. Then I find out that I wasn't a starter. And that that was kind of the first blow to my confidence that I've had. Because literally up until this point, I've only heard, like, good news, like, you're starting, you're captain, you're moving up. This was like seriously the first sense of bad news is like you are not, in my head, it was like you were not good enough to start. And that was hard for me. Mm-hmm. And then I was still going to play, but it, I was the seventh player to come in. Um, so top five, six person comes in, seventh person comes in. And I think what I struggled with being that seventh person was that I did not know when I was going to go in and how long I would be in. I knew who I was going in for, but I didn't know why. Like, is it, does she need a break? And I'm only going in for like a minute. Um, I was like, well, I go in if she gets injured, which I didn't hope for that. It was just kind of like, that's another possibility. 
but again, you don't want to wish that on your teammate. And then the third reason is like if um, she just like wasn't playing well and I had to go in. And so with that third one, there's kind of some pressure there too because you somehow have to like be better than that person because if they're not performing well, they're like, well, hey, Ash, like you have to be the one to do that. So there was just like pressure. And when you're not like in the game, you're just kind of just sitting on the bench. I wasn't like warmed up. So I, I was kind of going in like cold. And so it just, I didn't feel like I was in the best place to like be successful. Like when I went in being the seventh person, it's definitely possible. And again, I think this is where a consultant could have helped me. But in that moment, I didn't feel like I had the opportunity to be successful. So that season was just rough. Like I did not play well in varsity games. I was also on JV as a starter. So like I was doing well there, but JV only has 10 games a season. So I just didn't have a lot of like game time reps. So I think when that's... you say uh, really quick, when you yeah. say you didn't have the opportunity to be successful, what do you mean? Like, I just felt like because I wasn't getting a lot of game minutes, I didn't have confidence playing in a game. Mm-hmm. So what were you thinking about? Were you thinking about the level you were playing at and that you didn't have enough time in that or like kind of what was, what when you go into the game? Yes, you have that pressure. Yes, you're cold. But like, what are you thinking about as well? Like, um, were you thinking I'm not ready or kind of walk me through that? Yeah, it was just like, I have to play better than the person they just took out in order to stay in. So one of the things I thought of is like, you can't mess up. You like have to do well. I also was thinking about the other team of how like, I just don't feel like I've gotten a lot of experience playing against players at this level. Because I was playing against JV of other teams, which I felt like was evenly matched. But then I, when I would go into varsity, sometimes I, I was nervous who I was competing against because they maybe were bigger, stronger, been on varsity longer, maybe just had that confidence. So I was comparing myself to like who I was playing against. In addition, our team chemistry like wasn't great either. So like I didn't really trust yeah. it. Like, like if I made a mistake, I was afraid my teammates were going to be mad at me, not just my coach. Because there wasn't great team dynamics. Like, I mean, there was some inner team competition. Like, I would say there was, like, pockets of, like, clicks on our team or, you know, you had your friends that were happy for you. But it was not everybody. And, unfortunately, the starting five and then the six and seven people, like, that group did not, I feel like, get along the best. So mm-hmm. it didn't go well on the court. Mm-hmm. So then that wasn't a great year. And so it shot my confidence. Senior year is when things got worse. Um, so again, I was anticipating to start and I did start and I was captain. So I had good news. I'm like, okay, boost of confidence. Maybe last year was just like a fluke, but there was still like fear that um, maybe like I wasn't ready or not good enough um, because I didn't do well last year. So like, you know, we talk about like past experiences. Well, when I was looking at my past experiences on varsity, it was like not pleasant. So I was like not excited to go into like this season. Mm-hmm. In addition, I, there was some tension with my coach and I because of my parents. <laughs> Love you, mom and dad. But they were really, they were just as frustrated as I was that I wasn't starting my junior year. And kind of the theme throughout that season is like, I should be the one starting. But also, mm-hmm. 
I wasn't performing well on varsity either. So the coaches probably were like, well, she's not performing well on varsity. Why would we start? But I was performing well in JV. And so like my thought and my parents' thoughts were like, well, she's clearly talented. She just needs more minutes to be comfortable at varsity. Yeah, like like, what does that do to you when you're hearing that? Because like I have anecdotal stories like that too. You're hearing it over and over again from your parents. Like, you know, uh, the coach sucks. You should be in there. Like they shouldn't, they don't know this thing. Like they're not doing the right thing. Like for me, it was more confusing, I think, than anything. Like I would, I would be like, well, I just want to be better. I don't want to have to talk to you or like, I don't want to have to like go into your office and whatever. I just wanted to prove that I, I deserve to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm not doing something, I wish that I knew that I could say something and ask and be like, why am I not playing? But even when I did that, my coach did give me direct feedback. Yeah, he wasn't the greatest coach, but he did say like, you need to get stronger, you mm-hmm. know, and because I was scrawny, I was, you know, four foot 11 when I was, you know, in freshman in high school. So mm-hmm. four foot 11, about maybe 85 pounds, maybe. Right. I was tiny. So like, you know, just walk me through that for you. What was it like you know, when your parents are saying this and then you go to this and you have a different experience? Like, what what does that do? Well, I was conflicted on what to do because like, I agreed with my parents that I I felt like I should have been a starter. And another thing that I forgot to mention is that I wasn't starting because I didn't socially get along with the starting five. Um, Mm. The starting five were friends. And so my coach, if I'm remembering correctly, I'm pretty sure she said (laughs) to me, like, you are talented enough to be in the starting five, but we just don't feel like you're the best fifth person to put be in there because of like the chemistry so like the starting five were like not my friends they were actually like people that like borderline bullied me and like made my life hell um Mm -hmm. were not kind and I did not get along with them so I felt like that was a piece so like me knowing that my mom knowing that my dad knowing that like they were always advocating for me to go talk to coach here's where the problem was I would go to coach and be like why am I not starting with, like, no backing, really. <laughs> like, it was just, like, why am I not starting? I clearly think I'm better than so-and-so. And, again, now that I'm an adult, I'm, like, realizing that probably wasn't the best approach. So, like, because my parents' voice was in my ear, I think it came off, like, really arrogant to my coaches. And that created, like, a negative taste in their mouth of me. Like, I think they were getting the wrong idea of, like, who I was but I wasn't showing them anything different. Plus my confidence was low. So like sometimes in like the varsity games and varsity practices, like I don't think I was showing my talent until JV games. So I was doing so well in JV games, but not in varsity practices and not in varsity games. So they probably were thinking like, she's not ready, but I didn't see that. All I was doing was basing like, my thought of my talent on like my JV games. Like I'm clearly capable. And I think if I would have worked on my confidence at that time, I would have been way better. I think because it was a varsity practice and a varsity game like that changed how I played because I wasn't confident. That was going to lead me into a question for you. I was just about to say, like you mentioned like JV, you're up here doing great, almost a comfort, like you're comfortable playing on JV. And then when you got to varsity, there was a block. What do you think that block was? Um, 
I know you spoke about confidence, but was there anything else that kind of like gave you that block or that um, less confident than when you're in JV? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is under the umbrella of confidence, but I can explain like in more detail. One, I think the context was in my mind. This is a varsity game. Kind of like championship. You know how people get like nervous for like a championship game or like finals? Like that's how I felt about like varsity games. It felt bigger. It felt more intense versus like the purpose is the same. You're doing the same things that you would be doing in a JV game. Like there's no difference. But to me, it was different for a couple of reasons. One, because I think I got denied. Like my coach not starting me made me doubt was I ready to actually do this in this level and then two I was comparing myself to like the other players like I mean I don't know what it was but like I was I was tall but I was not strong like there were some big girls out there that like could really push me around and I don't think I was like strong enough so I was like comparing myself to them Mm. what I should have been doing is thinking about my strengths Like, there's things I could have done to defend those big girls without pushing them around. Like, I could stand in front of them. I can, like, mess mess around with them. Like, Mm -hmm. make them thrown off on defense. But I was just comparing myself to them. Like, oh, I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough. So, like, I was just, like, letting them beat me on the court, too, because I let them beat me in my head. Did this kind of carry on into your senior year? So, junior year, I definitely did not play well in varsity. When I was a starter, my confidence did get boosted, and I think I did play better. But back to what I said that the reason I it didn't go well is because of my relationship with my coach. I felt like my coach took me out after just a couple of mistakes. Because I think they didn't think... I think they thought I was like this arrogant person that had like all talk and no action. But I was actually like playing semi-well, but like... I wasn't scoring, again, from team dynamics. Like, I didn't have the opportunity to score. Um, It was very – I was a post player, and it was very much like a guard-heavy team where, like, the guards were scoring, and I was just kind of there to, like, play defense and, like, box out and things like that. So I wasn't scoring a lot, and so I did think, like, oh, if I'm not scoring, I'm not going to keep starting. I also think that I felt like my coaches were taking me out after just a couple of mistakes like I felt like some of my teammates would make more mistakes than me and stay in the whole game and like I would make a couple and I'd go sit out for a bit so did you count I didn't count but I did it wasn't like oh I was a I wasn't like oh I can't make one or two mistakes it was more like I want to drag out as long as I can before a mistake happens so I can have my minutes and like show the coaches what I'm capable of like, my fear was, like, the first play, I would make a mistake, and then they'd mm. take me out. What I wanted is for, like, the first couple of plays to go well so that they would keep me in. How did that affect your play? Did it make you more timid? Did it make you more, like, uh, scrutinous of what you were doing and, and the actions you were making um, instead of really focusing on the game itself? I don't think my thoughts were, like, racing, but it was, like, nerves. Like, I was so nervous on, like, how things were going to play out. So, because I didn't want to get taken out. So, sometimes I would just, like, avoid getting past the ball and just, like, play defense Mm -hmm. so that I, like, didn't get taken out. Like, it was if I made a mistake, 
that I'd get taken out. So I just was like trying to hold off as long as I could and it increased my nerves. So I was playing like tense, I would say. Did um, uh, your parents or anything else like influence that too or like make you feel bad uh, or anyone else outside of your parents maybe that was just like, you're not scoring enough? Was, did you hear that a lot or you're not doing a lot? My parents were more just like frustrated and get past the ball so that I could show what I was capable of. So it was kind of like this messiness of like, I didn't want to get past two because I didn't want to mess up. But then my parents were mad and I was mad that I wasn't getting past the ball because if I would have gotten the ball to score I think I could have it would have boosted my confidence like again I wasn't getting like proper reps for multiple reasons like nerves bad team dynamics like I just I I don't think I was able to show what I was capable of throughout my entire senior year not every game um but it wasn't like I was not thriving (laughs) like Like I would like in JV, I would score like double digits every time. And then I barely scored. Like, I'm pretty sure like on average, I scored like six points Mm. like a game. And that was off of like a rebound. So I didn't even like get the ball passed to me. Is there any like time that sticks out uh, in your memory? That's like one of the worst experiences or like a worst or when you knew you were at this like bottomed out like I can't do this anymore Mm -hmm. type of experience did you have anything like that yes so senior year what's even weirder like I forgot to mention this the starting five for my senior year team was the same starting five that we had on JV the year before and we were undefeated (laughs) so Mm. I went into senior year thinking OMG we're gonna be so good like I cannot wait it was pumped What I think happened on my team is that people also put the sense of varsity into context. Varsity meaning you will get in the papers if you do well. (laughs) JV, no one reported on JV. So it was truly a team. Like I remember on JV, like my junior year, we were passing so well. Like we were unselfish. Like we were making the best play possible versus making sure that everybody or, or making sure that we scored. So it was, like, truly amazing, like, how good we were and how, like, in sync we were. What I think happened on varsity, and I have one particular player in mind, she was our point guard, and her parents were really hard on her. Like, when I look back, I thought she was just a jerk and, like, selfish. No, her parents put a lot of pressure on her to succeed, and that influenced her behavior. Um, She would never pass me the ball. She was trying to score. She was trying to be in the papers. And I think a lot of players on our team were like that, where they were trying to be the one that was in the papers. And so our team chemistry just like fell apart. Mm -hmm. So then it influenced how I played because our team chemistry like wasn't there. But to get to that one point, there was one game where she was trying to score because that's what she always did. And I was like seriously wide open and I was like mismatched where I was bigger than their biggest girl, which was rare. (laughs) I'm like, pass me the ball like I literally am so wide open I was getting so frustrated because like I could have scored like we could have won that game and we didn't and she just was not utilizing her post players so I yelled at her I was like pass me the ball like I got so mad at her well what I should have done is apologize I was just heated in the moment I should have apologized to her because like we were like friends like it, it was more just like in the heat of the moment Mm -hmm. I didn't apologize. 
And then the coach comes and talked to me and basically was like, I heard you're bullying her. I was like, what? Like, I was like, seriously, so thrown off. I'm like, bully? Like, well, yeah, we saw you yell on her, yell at her on the court. And I was like, that is one time. And she's telling them that I bullied. So now the coaches again think I'm this like arrogant jerk. And I think that made them want to take me out. So then after that, I had the sense of like, I have to be perfect or else I will get taken out. Like literally I felt like it was like one mistake and they took me out because they just wanted a reason to. But if they didn't have a reason, they would have to keep me in. So I felt like I could not mess up. I could not mess up. And then guess what happened? Yeah. I'd mess up. Or it would be a situation where like we were playing this one team that was like seriously so good. Like their whole starting five was good. So they, our coaches told us like, do not play help defense. Like you have to just stay on your girl. Cause like they will pass and then they'll score. Like they're too good that you can't play help defense. Well, one of the guards was just like literally wide open layup. So I went to go get her. She passed to my girl and she scored. They took me out right away because they're like, what did we say? And I was like, so you just wanted me to let her like just go in for the open layup? They're like, yeah, because that then that would have been the point guard's fault, not your fault. And so I just felt like I couldn't win. And so I was just defeated, defeated. There was one game after those a few occurrences. I mixed I missed six wide open layups in a row. Mm. Like that's not like you. No, I just I was defeated the rest of the season just defeated so this just kind of like as you're speaking and everything it kind of like makes me think like what i would do if you're my athlete coming in we definitely like talk about certain things but now that you're in the position that you're in and you know a whole lot more about sports psychology if some athlete came to you and said hey like i'm really struggling with my coaches with my teammates and i just i feel like i can't win exactly what you just said like how what would be like a first step that you would take with them yeah and I have a lot of athletes I talk about this with and that's why I'm like just so grateful that I got into this field because like literally I'm talking to athletes every day who experience the exact same thing that I did and I think that's why I'm good at my job is because like I feel what they're feeling but basically the general Mm -hmm. concept would be like you need to put like an armor like a suit of armor on and like you can only let certain things in And if your coaches and your teammates are like hurtful things that if you pay attention to what they say and what they do, it hurts your performance. You have to block them out. Like I try to help athletes be independent of the people around them, not in a selfish way, but just in a way of like, you only need to keep in your mind what's actually going to help you. So Mm -hmm. what I would try to do is let's say um, they were, they wanted to be perfect. I would talk through like this. I would talk through the self-talk with them of like, okay, so what are you thinking about at the Mm -hmm. beginning of the game? And if it's like, don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up, which is what I did, I would Mm -hmm. teach them more helpful self-talk. Like, well, what do you want to do? Instead of saying don't mess up, like, what do you want to accomplish in the first play? So if I was on offense, what would I want to do? And so for me, if it was like, okay, they're not going to pass to me, right? It's like, okay, well, then I really need to focus on boxing out so that if they do miss, I get the ball and I score. Mm-hmm. It's more productive that way. Because instead of saying... telling yourself what to do as yeah. opposed to what not to do. Yeah, yeah, because if you're saying don't mess up, the last thing you're saying is 
your hearing is messed up. And like also when you're saying those things to yourself, like there's a sense of fear in your body. So you're also like more stiff and you're not mm. going to like perform physically the way you want to either. So I would have been like, well, what can I control? I can mm-hmm. control my box out. I can go box out and get a, a shot. And then on defense, what I should have done mm-hmm. is instead of focusing on the fact that I wasn't the highest scorer, I should have been focusing on the fact that like, hey, I'm actually a really good defender. And when I'm guarding one of the best girls on the other team like they have their worst game like that's something to be proud of that's what I'm contributing Mm -hmm. to the team but I was so focused on like well I need to get stats in order to show that I'm worthy of being a starter it's funny because as we were talking about this I was like oh my goodness this is really negative (laughs) like the sporting environment in general is just like holy cow and then the things that you went through and I'm like we might be depressing our listeners if we're <laughs> when we're talking this out, you know, but there is a there is a silver lining, there's a bright side, and there's um, ways that you can combat it. Like sport is supposed to be a place where you can kind of express yourself in whatever way that kind of means and um, mm-hmm. live out some sort of passion in yourself. So I'm glad that like now you can see, hey, I would have I would have just said I'm a great defender and like I didn't think that I needed that either. But when I was playing soccer, that was the exact same thing for me. My coach was like, we need midfield, but our defense is terrible and you can play it. And I think you'll do great there. And I won all defensive player of the year that year, just because my coach had some sort of faith that I could do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So we had some, we had a lot of different like competing uh, players in this experience that you've had right you had your coaches and you had player and then and then you had your parents if you were to like kind of sports psych your coaches right now if you were to like kind of like oh what maybe like understand where they were coming from what inferences would you have drawn from that and what do you think was going through their minds when they were watching you and or um what would you say to coaches that might have an athlete that looks like you um and doesn't know what to do with you? That's a great question. Maddie, I'll want your insight in a second. Cause mm-hmm. I want, cause another great thing about having two consultants on this podcast is like, we have two different perspectives, like mm-hmm. hearing a story, like I might hear one thing and Maddie might hear another. So I'm excited to hear what you say, Maddie, but mm-hmm. I think I would go to the beginning of when they moved me up. I think that's the beginning of when things kind of went wrong. If you're going to move up a player, you have to make them feel like they're still contributing to the team and the team's success, even if they're not playing. So, like, when I got moved up, they made it very clear, like, you're not going to play on varsity. You're kind of just, like, here as a just-in-case, but we want to put you on JV so that you're at least, like, practicing with the varsity players because you're you're as good as – you're good enough to be at this level, but you're not good enough to start, which is fair. Um, but I think what I lost out on is like a couple of years of being nurtured. Like, so there was a sophomore team that sophomore coach, like nurtured that team. They're like, this is how you be successful in varsity. Like he paid attention to them one-on-one, helped them develop their skills so that they were ready for varsity. I felt like I was just there to help the varsity players get better, but no one was telling me how to get better. So, like, I was not nurtured, I feel. Like, at least how they did it. I know not all teams are like this. Like, they make everybody 
they develop everybody. But my coaches did not develop the JV players. All they cared about was the varsity players. So how how can they develop? How can you nurture? How can you get into that? Um, individualized attention. So mm-hmm. yes, we need to work on team stuff. Like how can the starting five and then the sixth and seventh person play well as a team together? But what they did is they actually had like the JV starting seven guard the, the varsity starting seven. And all we were doing was pretending to be another team versus just like playing our game. So like in a game, they would never tell me to shoot a three pointer, but I sometimes had to pretend to be like a three point shooter. So I wasn't even like working on like my strengths and my skills. I was just trying to be another player. So I think what I, what I would have liked is like, okay, Ashley, like if you want to start varsity or like next year, this is what I need to see improvement wise. Or when they told me that you're not starting and I said, okay, well, my goal is to become a starter. Is that possible? Yeah. Like they needed to communicate that with me. If you want to be a varsity starter, this is what I need from you. Or if they're like, nope, we usually keep our starting five the same, which was pretty much the case unless someone got injured. Tell me that. So that I'm not like hoping something's happening and then it never will. Like I wanted them to pretty much be like brutally honest. Like this is what you need to work on. And like this is how this year is going to go. Maddie, Mm -hmm. any contribution? Yeah. So this like as you've been talking, I've just been thinking because I do have like my own coaching experience. So I've been getting kind of like both sides of it and communication, cohesion, and like what you just said, the individualized like help you cannot have a team you can't you can't have a team of 20 people 15 people 10 people and only use five of them because like you said injuries happen unfortunately they happen sicknesses happen like if you are just a team of five you now only have four it's like you need everybody else too and it's like team cohesion and like working together and just having the bench or the other girls there to support who is playing in that moment makes you feel that much better. And I think honestly, that would have helped with your confidence as well, because you spoke about how the girls on the team, like nobody was really that good of friends. Like there were clicks and it really showed people can have clicks. People can have their own friends, but like when you're on the court, you guys are all, all one, everybody's in the same exact uniform. Like the only difference is the number on your back as a consultant and even as a coach, I would, if I saw that like one of my players was really talented, but wasn't really meshing with some of the other girls, I wouldn't tell her like, yeah, you're good, but you're, you just don't fit in with them. No. Oh my gosh. I would literally make them do team cohesion things like team building activities, um, team building workshops. It doesn't even matter. Um, one thing that like we did in college and sometimes in high school too was like our coaches would pair us up with people that we don't really talk to on the team and we would go do a social event together so like it's not even softball basketball related it was socially because like that was just giving you another step another little leg to have when you get back to the the sport atmosphere because you're like okay, we clicked socially for a couple of hours. We can definitely click here on the field, on the on the floor for a couple more hours, you know, like going to Starbucks, hang out with each other, being each other's company in a good company for like just a little bit of time. 
And over time, that's just going to add up and you're pulling for your teammates and you're wanting your teammates to do good. You never want to prey on their downfall, but if you don't have a cohesive team, like some girls might be like some girls want to play that bad to where they're like, gosh, I hope she rolls her ankle in this game. I hope she's fine, but I just really want to go in that bad that I, I hope she does awful. It's like, that's, that's not a team dynamic. And so I do think like team cohesion and team building is, is huge with, because I mean, well, you have 10, 15 girls on a team, but only five can be on the court at one time. So it's like, some people are going to not be playing or some people will be playing a whole lot and then need a break. But it's like, as the coach and as the teammates, the girl going in for that girl having a break, like everybody needs to pump her up just as much as they did for the girl that came out. Like there, there is no difference based Mm -hmm. on person wise. Like you all want her to thrive. You all want her to do good. And then just to keep kind of rambling on with this, keep going. um, Communication, (laughs) I think is huge. You spoke about it, how you would go in and talk with your coach and be like, I want to play. And for a coach to sit there and be like, okay, cool. And like, not really, give you feedback like that is that that's hard as an athlete because it's like you almost feel like it was a pointless interaction or like you put your heart out there because I mean what you're 17 years old talking to an adult about your feelings about your what you're going through and like what you really want to do for the team and they're like okay cool like that kind of almost takes a step back in the communication realm because you're like, okay, not going to do that again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it doesn't... Shut down. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's not helping you to become the better athlete. It's, it's you just kind of stay where you're at. There's no up or down. It's just like, okay, thank you. And so as like the coach and even the um, consultant, you can you need to tell your athletes, like we, we used to do this for the team that I was coaching too. We'd have one-on-one sessions and it kind of goes back to the individualized help that we were talking about like they would come in they would say yep i'm doing great or no i'm not doing great i want to be a starter i want to play like what can i do and you're like fantastic like you should go and work on your free throws you're just giving them feedback and tips and pointers on what you're seeing because if they're coming in asking what they can do better you obviously have some thoughts on what they can be doing better so like why not give it to them. Mm -hmm. Why not help them out? Why not build them up and help them feel a little bit more confident? Like, are you giving your feedback gives them more than what they could have hoped for than you being silent and being like, nope, you're good. Or just not even really saying anything. So from a coach and a consultant perspective, I'm individualizing and communication and cohesion are probably the three biggest things that I would suggest. One thing to think about, like when I, when I was going into sports psychology, I was like, it's the coach's fault like the coach should know better like I'm the athlete like they were in the wrong I think we both were in the wrong if I'm looking back on it objectively Mm -hmm. I came in not communicating effectively like I just said I wanted to start and what I remember saying is like I want to start or one one conversation I had was like I want to know how I can score more And I feel like my point guard's the reason I'm not scoring more because she's a ball hog. Mm. So if I if I were to say that (laughs) differently, okay, well, what the coach probably was thinking is like, wow, this girl's kind of arrogant and a jerk. Aggressive. Yes. (laughs) 
and I wasn't, and it wasn't productive. So like, of course the coach was just like, not going to give me any feedback. It was more focused on the fact that I wasn't a team player. So what I should have said was, Hey, I'm frustrated about how I'm, I don't feel like I'm scoring as much as I would like to. What are some suggestions you think I should do to make sure to get my points up? And then my coach probably would have said, go box out. Like you can't control when the point guard's going to pass to you. So go box out and be ready. Right. And then that was the same feedback I would have said to myself, you know, things that are in my control. And then with the coach too, um, I think what they could have said in that moment, like if I did come in and say like, it's my point guard's fault. Like I do think it's the coach's responsibility to like teach them in that moment. Like, listen, I get it. Like it's frustrating when like your teammate doesn't pass to you as much as you want to. What can you control that you can work on? Or, hey, yeah, let's talk about it. Like I noticed that as well, that like there isn't a lot of passing going on. So I think it is the coach's responsibility to like look at things from multiple perspectives. And I just felt like my coaches weren't doing that. I feel like they, they had their idea of who we were and how good we were and they stuck with it and they never were willing to like budge. That point guard was a ball hog at times. Like she just was like, but so were a lot of people on my team. Like we all wanted, like I said, we wanted to be the stars because we wanted to be in the papers. I think it is a coach's job to like point that out start players based on how good of a teammate they are not how many points they score so it goes back to the debate of like do you start your best person or your best scorer or athlete and I think it's a little bit of both where like you need to have both to start so like I think it would have been perfectly fair for if a if a if a the point guard was selfish in her play and didn't run the play it was supposed to be, and then it ended up costing us where, like, no one scored because they were just trying to be selfish, I think that should be a reason to take someone out, not just did you mess up or, like, Mm -hmm. did you not score. Like, I think, coaches, you have to realize, like, yes, you might have really talented athletes, but are they actually helping the team win? Because if they're playing selfish, that might not be happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on that vein, I think a helpful thing for them and for athletes that are watching or listening, um, what is from each of your perspectives, one tip, one actionable step that they could do tomorrow for both a coach and for an athlete that would help them and improve whatever their situation might be? I can start with uh, Maddie because she seems a little bit ready and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go for prepared. It. If she's like, I'm going to slay this. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, I think Ashley really did like talk about it, the effective communication. That's huge. And to have effective communication on both ends is like one of the best things that you can do. Just so you have an idea, you can know where to go. Because I can see like, I'm not playing as much. I'm playing a little bit. I want to do better. Like you're kind of in a middle ground. And so by effectively communicating with your coach and being like, Hey, like, is there something I can work on? I would definitely recommend going and talking with the coach and being like, Hey, is there anything I can work on? Um, I'm noticing that our point guard, she really doesn't like to pass a lot and that's okay. But 
I want to get better. I want to play and I want to see the floor and I'm not going to let it depend on somebody else's play. So what can I do to be better? What can I work on? And just kind of having a conversation with your coach um, just so she knows where you're at too. Cause maybe that coach can sit and look and be like, Oh, Ashley's fine. Like going in for a minute and done. Like she doesn't know or they don't know until you go and talk about it. But Mm -hmm. Like what Ashley had mentioned, it is, it has to be effective. Cause if you go in guns a blazing, like I want to play, make me play. Like I need to go in kind of starts off on the wrong foot. So definitely going in with like kind of a, a path or some talking points that you would like to bring up just shows your coach that one, you really want to play. You have that desire to play and that you just want to be out there and two that you are a like mature athlete that you can go in and have those hard conversations. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but like you taking that step just shows your coach like, okay, this girl is legit. She wants to play. So let's have that conversation. To add to that, let's say you're someone who isn't confident enough to go talk to your coach, which is totally fair. But I would say really assess like why you are or are not comfortable. And like, that's what you would work with a consultant on is like best and worst case scenario. But let's say you're really not confident to go talk to them. The best thing you can do if you have a coach you're not comfortable talking to or you have a teammate that you're not comfortable talking to either to like make things better between the two of you, you have to focus on yourself. Mm -hmm. It is okay in your mind to be somewhat selfish. What do I need to work on? What can I do in this game? Mm It's, again, that armor. Like, keep other people's opinions and thoughts and behaviors out of your mind and just focus on, like, what you need to do to be successful in that game or in that practice. And sometimes that's not listening not listening to your coach. Let me explain <laughs> what that means, okay? <laughs> your coaches are human beings, so coaches, this is to help you, uh, to take the pressure off. Like, your coaches are human beings. Yes, they dictate playing time. And that can make them seem like the most important person that you should be listening to. But your coach is human and they're going to make mistakes. So if they're yelling at you or they're saying something that's hurtful, block that out. Listen to what you think you should listen to. So the only thing you should really listen to from coaches is instructions. So if they're telling you to run a play, they're critiquing your form, listen to that. But if there's yelling or anything negative that they're saying that's just bringing you down, Block it out because it's just going to bring down your confidence and Mm -hmm. don't let their opinion of you dictate your opinion of you because they're just one person. Another coach or another player could think you're the best athlete they've ever seen. Mm -hmm. So don't just listen to that one coach's opinion because they're just one imperfect person. Yeah, it's like kind of like formulate that inner arrogance or that inner confidence that makes you go wait no I think I am doing that right I think I do like this part about how I play you know I think that that is hard to do overnight all of this is hard to do overnight it takes a lot of practice it's kind of recognizing what you do well and then reminding yourself constantly and then practice of course like physical practice too but definitely like for the mental if it's lagging behind your physical if you feel that you're really, really strong um, physically or just talent wise, uh, but lacking this other piece, 
um, like Ashley, you might've grown up too fast. You know, you, you moved up too quick, like the, the, the nurturing and the, and the confidence settling and that kind of stuff. So if your coaches aren't going to do it, you're going to have to do it for yourself and seek out, you know, a consultant if needed, or maybe just journal or something every day. That's like, this is what I did well. And then this is what I want to improve, you know, something like that. You can kind of go into that avenue as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that wraps it up for questions for me, Ash or Maddie, do you have anything additional that you would like to add to your story? Do you have anything that you'd want the audience to know about or learn? Maddie, you can go first. Sure. I just wanted to piggyback off of kind of like a last, like taking away point is I want to piggyback off of Ashley and like the, the whole somewhat um, selfish aspect is you are going to be your biggest critic, but you're also going to be your number one fan because you are wanting yourself to perform like really, really well. And so by allowing negative outside talk, get into your inside, it, it allows you to start talking negatively and thinking negatively. And so just kind of going off of um, Ashley, just building yourself up and finding out what you need and not relying on the outside sources if they are negative um, and just not helpful. It's huge to take the steps for yourself to figure out, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need in this moment? Um, where can I go from here? Because in the end of it, you're the one who's performing. So going off of that, it's just be a little bit selfish in what you need so that you can thrive. Kind of my biggest takeaway from like my experience is effective communication and not being afraid of like productive confrontation so like I hate confrontation but I wish I would have said to my coaches and to my parents like this is how I'm feeling and I I need help to get out of this so like for my coach be like I'm feeling I'm not performing the way I want to what is your advice on what I can do to be better and then with Mm -hmm. my parents say Mom, Dad, I know you care a lot about my sport experience, but you getting frustrated at my coaches and getting frustrated after every game is hurting me and, like, making this not fun anymore. Can you just be my cheerleader? Like, that's all I need from you. Mm-hmm. And saying it in a calm way. I think every time I communicated with both of these adults, it was shouting. Because I was a kid. I was hormonal. I was, like, in high school. And they were yelling too. So I think it's just like I got caught up in the heat of the moment. So I think I just wish I would have taken a deep breath and like communicated what I wanted. Um, because I think my coaches and my parents would have listened. But at the time, I didn't feel that way. But as someone who's looking at my experience now as an adult, I really do think they cared. It just I didn't see it. So if you're at that age right now where adults are scary they're humans if you tell them how you're feeling don't tell them like you're being a jerk tell them how how you're feeling and what you need from them to help i think they'll they'll listen anyway guys that's it for today's episode i want to give a special thank you to ashley and to maddie for joining us today and having ashley share her story it was really impactful and i hope you guys learned a lot Once again, feel free to leave a comment down below and a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd be more than appreciative of that. If there's any questions that you guys have, 
Also, never hesitate to reach out to us on social media or an email through our website. I'm your host, Zach, welcoming you to the Master Performance Podcast, and I hope to see you guys again soon.